Welcome to the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, where we feature expert thought leaders and cover the best strategies, stories, and psychology you need to land big ticket clients. Because as you know, you can't catch a whale with a worm. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pillay with the Big Ticket Clients Podcast, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to Drew Placette here in San Antonio. Drew, how are you doing today? Doing great. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing good. I think I'm about an hour south or north of you. Where does Austin rank in the whole San Antonio, Austin thing? On the uh, it's about an hour. It's it's more east, but about yeah, about an hour east north uh, northeast. Of northeast, us. yeah. So we're 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 pretty close to each other. Um, so you know, uh, Drew, you know, I am. It's first of all, it's a pleasure to meet you because you are in my opinion, leading the innovation world because you're that step between having an idea and having something that's real that people can make into a product and and hopefully sell it. So I want to hear all about innovation and and what you do and so on. Um, You guys are very successful here in in beautiful San Antonio, but tell us about you personally. Let's kind of, let's peel the onion down here and see who you are and where you came from and how you became Drew Placet. And by the way, you know you look like Barry Gibb, right? <laughs> I've been told that before. <laughs> You've been told that before, yeah. Because I'm like a, I'm a hundred percent BG's fan, and I'm like, wait a second, am I interviewing Barry Gibb? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I have a secret identity actually. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Drew, tell us where you really came from, all right, and and who you are, and kind of how you became co-founder of Can Opener Labs. Well, background, I'm a Marine. I'm a little, I, I'm very much a bulldozer. So when it comes to sales and closing, stuff like that, I kind of follow that. But my, as a, my back, I've um, always been a computer nerd, computer, um, into computer science and hardware. And so um, joined the Marine Corps after college, uh, did that, then started several companies and ended up in San Antonio because um, I saw uh, Austin transplant. So I used to be in your neck of the woods yep. and after years in Austin. And I saw a huge, a huge opportunity in San Antonio for makers and for physical products. And so I've been pushing here to start angel investing here and um, started a makerspace here, community makerspace. And then uh, really found people needed, they wanted help. They wanted hands-on experience uh, or they want somebody to really help them walk them through the ideas they had and getting them to an actual physical product or an idea. And so uh we decided, you know what, let's I have I've collected millions of dollars in lab equipment and other things over the years. And so I was like, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and open a full R and D space that's affordable and uh, people can come to you have ideas. They don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars mm-hmm. just to help get their idea produced. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, Drew, you have a very straightforward, matter-of-fact demeanor. You're the guy who says, hey, this is what the world looks like, and we're going to get this done. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I want to know, how did you go from being a computer nerd to being a Marine? And by the way, I'm not going to say you were a Marine, because I know I can get myself hurt. <laughs> I can get in trouble doing that. You are a Marine. But how did you go from being a computer nerd to a Marine? Well, I've always been uh, I've always been the computer that was fascinating. So I moved from Texas to Colorado when I was a kid, and Colorado back in the day was very much still wild, wild west. <laughs> and so uh, big into we were big into guns. It was all ag back there. So we we big into guns and playing and being out in the country and did a lot of motocross and mountain bike. So I never and mountain biking. So I never really had 
big fear of getting injured or anything like that with motocross. You just tuck and roll and pray you survive. <laughs> and so, uh, and so uh, best friend, I was got recruited out of college by a congressman and was working stuff and uh, working in DC. And my best friend fly up and hang out with me. And he said, "Man, you need we need to join the Marine Corps. It'll be fun. We're not going to war. We're going to have a blast. You know, it's it's gonna be it'll, it'll be fun. We get to pull, play with big guns and do some cool stuff." <laughs> so I was like, after eight months of this, finally, I was like, "Okay, fine." And I, and I, so I finally enlisted. I swore on September 9th, two thousand one. Oh, so I called him. And I was like, "We're going to war." Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> like, oh my god, we're going to war. And so. Uh, but no, so it was good. I'm glad I got to serve a country, do a lot of interesting things, and meet a lot of amazing people. So um, it, it was. We had, you know, um, it's it was a great experience, and it's led me to where I am now because it made me be very much a bulldozer. And, yeah, and a lot of way, uh, I'm a sledgehammer when it comes to things. There's, my partners can be are scalpels. I am not a scalpel. I am a sledgehammer. You're you're, you're the sledgehammer guy. You know, you know, you know, you know what's interesting about about the way you call yourself a bulldozer and a sledgehammer is I can totally see, you know, how a Marine, uh, you know, fearless, as you said, you love those big guns and the dangerous games. And guess what's a dangerous game? Entrepreneurship. <laughs> That's a dangerous game if I ever saw one. So do, do, was, do you think that your transition from, uh, you know, being an active, and by the way, first of all, thank you for service to our country. Um, you know, it's, it's always an honor for me to meet folks like you. But do you think that it was an easier transition for you from being, uh, you know, an active Marine to, to an, and now an active entrepreneur? It's interesting. Being an entrepreneur, it's it's scary. It's tough. I mean, people talk about it and, th- and say, "Oh, well, you know, you have to have a tolerance for fear and things like that." And you have to. I've I've spent years working it for stuff, and I've built a lot of things up. And even with this company, I know if I screw up, I lose everything. Yeah. And so you have to have that build one to have that fear of losing things. The nice thing is, I also know in the back of my mind, if I lose everything. Then what do you have? You have complete freedom when you have nothing. So I, I'm not big on debt or anything else. But every time when I have lost things, I've had to start over, and I have had to in my life. I've had I've lost everything and had to start from scratch. From scratch, mm-hmm. at the point where I had, to, I had to go to pawn shop Black Pier and trade it, uh, repair it, and resell it to buy a better one, and do that four or five times to finally get the pier I wanted, and um, and start from scratch. And so, but if you don't have that fear, if you know at the end of the day, if you lose everything, the only thing you have to do is. You're in a free, you're in complete freedom, free space where you can start over again. Yeah, yeah. And so it takes away that fear in a sense. So there's I, definitely pain to it and frustration to it, but it's there's there's beauty in it. No, I I can totally see your idea of hey, if we're gonna lose everything, let's lose everything. I mean, I I could see that mentality in a war zone. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that, you know. And I like to use, you know, war. You know, a lot of people yeah. do, not just me. I like to use war as an analogy for business. You know, there's there's competition. There's kill or be killed sometimes. Um, so so it really makes sense. But let's let's kind of let's 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 find ourselves in today, like where you are today. I've seen some. I've heard already some interesting words that you use, such as makers. Um, you know, that's that's not a word that I've I've used much in my industry. But when you say like your first business was a maker space and then you went from a maker space to a full R&D lab, tell us what that means, uh, you know, uh, in terms of maker space and R&D lab for, for those who may not be aware of it. 
So uh, I actually started off as, soft, as doing hardware, then software development, and then um, at healthcare. And then when I came here, the R uh, makerspace was I saw a need where people need a community space. And I had done well with some of my previous companies, so I had extra money to uh, support it. So I sponsored a free makerspace for the community where people could go in. They had like 3D printers. They had We had laser cutters, they had all kinds of equipment they come in and use. So if they had an idea, mm-hmm. they could start building it. If they couldn't afford to go out somewhere and outsource having 3D printed, or if they, I even put in a lot of equipment in there, like um, the Cricut um, final cutters, because let's say they were an early stage startup and they couldn't afford um, swag. They wanted to do like get some swag out there and they didn't have uh, enough money to go buy stuff. They could they could go to the dollar store, buy cups for a dollar mm-hmm. and cut little iron on vinyls and make their own cups or make their own t-shirts real cheap. So it wasn't just, so even if they weren't actually making physical products, but they needed to have access to equipment or machines so they could do stuff at cost so they could help they only had five hundred dollars and that needed to go to paying some developers paying for the websites mm-hmm. they all wanted to try to get some branding out there i it enabled them to be able to make a hundred shirts for a hundred bucks because they had free access to vinyl cutters or screen printing and stuff like that so the makerspace was about enabling people and and helping them keep their burn rate low mm-hmm. so they could actually try their ideas and see what they could do with executing their ideas and so and and then turned into an R&D lab from the sense that we saw a lot of people that needed help. They went and they're coming in. They're like, okay, this is awesome. We have access to these 3D printers, but I don't really know what to do with this. Yeah. And I don't even what we're doing classes. They're still like, we really want somebody to help me. I want somebody to help me build this idea. I want somebody to help me do that. Mm-hmm. And so the idea can opener is opening your can and getting your idea out of your head. Mm-hmm. And so we decided, let's go ahead and open a full-scale R&D lab where they come in, they have an idea. And some people that come to us, some of our clients have patents already. They haven't built the product yet, and some have, don't have any, don't have anything yet. They just have this that crazy idea and want to see, and we'll help them build proof of concepts or prototypes. Mm-hmm. And they can either then go rake money on or try to do stuff with. You know, I I, I just love that sort of classic entrepreneurial journey where you find a problem, you you provide a solution, then it leads you to yet another tier. It, it looks like you recognize that. These innovators, these entrepreneurs that wanted to build things might have an idea, but they really ha- didn't have the tools or the space to m- make it, you know, material, make it real, right? So that was your first step was we're going to provide a maker space to help you guys make your ideas real. And then while that was happening, you discovered this other layer of, wow, these folks need help in this and that and these different ways. A full R&D lab would, would provide that. So tell us a little bit about the, the customers that you work with, the people that actually sort of fit the criteria and come into your makerspace and come into your full R&D lab. Who are they and what problems do they have that you're solving? So one that's easy to give you is um, is RMS Innovation. So it's a startup here in San Antonio mm-hmm. that's doing a biometric gun lock. So he really wants to see, uh, you know, help the safety of guns. So they have he has a it's a lock that uses uh, it's fingerprint reader. So when you touch the lock, and it's been all over the news, you touch it, it pops open, mm-hmm. locks. But the other thing you put in there is a motion sensor. And so that if you if you have your gun locked up at home or something, your kids go to mess with it, you'll know your kids are messing with your gun. I'll give you an alert. Hey, somebody's moving your gun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just it's another way. It's another it's an innovative product. So we're helping him with the prototyping, with the actual then uh, getting things set for production. And our team, 
I flew my whole team to China back in um, January and February, spent a lot of time in China, and then we have a lot of different partners here in the United States. Our goal is, if we can, to try to keep as much here in the United States as possible for production, and things we can't, then we have good partnerships over there where we can work, get them connected with the right people to get things manufactured. We also have some software development. We have half of our clients have or not products at all. They're actually web applications or SaaS applications that we're helping them build or clean up. Um, they've gone to developers that they tried to outsource things and outsourcers made a complete mess. <laughs> and now they might come back in and fix it, get kind of get things back on track. And then a few were doing architecture. My background is as a network engineer. Mm-hmm. And a lot of similar clients are also, we're just helping with the architecture and infrastructure of the servers in the back end. So a little bit, a little bit of a mix of those three areas. Mm-hmm. So. so you say your backward, your, your background was in, in network architectures. Yes. Okay. So I spent a lot of years as solutions engineer, solutions architect mm-hmm. for different um, cloud companies. Got it. Got it. As CTO. Yep. And, and that's where you got your sort of chief technology officer, co-founder experience, if you will, mm-hmm. that led you obviously into where you are today. So, you know, I love your can opener company mm-hmm. name. That's, I think that's really cool. It's like can opener, which is going to open up your can of ideas. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. So what inspired that? I mean, it, it's, it, you know, once you explain it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. You want to open the can, but then how, how do you stop that from being a can of worms? <laughs> What, what? Well, you can't worms. It's always going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but what inspired you? What inspired the name? Worms. Put some fish with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You, there you go. Catch some fish with it. <laughs> yeah, what do you call it? Uh, but no, I, I like simple. I like simplicity. So I have three things that I look in all startups and companies. I want simple pricing, mm-hmm. and I want simple UX UI. Simple, uh, basically, simple to use, easy to use, and then. I like white glove support. And so for me, I like simple logos. Um, I still, I don't like our logo right now. We're still working on that. But, <laughs> um, we, but I, so the name was simple and easy. And I started about, I guess, we uh, did it about six years ago. We started, I looked at doing it. And then uh, we finally decided, hey, let's move forward with this company. And so mm-hmm. found this one a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you, you say that you guys, um, <laughs> you guys are uh, in geekdom. <laughs> what is geekdom in downtown San Antonio? It's a place called yeah. geekdom. So there's it's basically like we work. There's downtown. There's um, geekdom, and so we started we started do lab over in geekdom, and that was a it was a free community um, like makerspace that I sponsored paid for, and it was free to it was free to the community. I, my goal with that was to be community run, community created. And, free for anybody to use mm-hmm. and so um so it's still there it's now geekdom labs but it's a downtown space our new office we couldn't do downtown we couldn't be downtown because we have 12 ton or twelve thousand pound uh, cnc milling machines stuff like that in our new space so we're next to the airport now so it's easy to get in and out and free parking and we it's a, we have a seven thousand square foot building that we can expand to the buildings next door to us if we need. So yeah, a little bit more room. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I, I I was just referencing that because I just love the play on words that you guys have for your branding. Look, as you know, branding Mm -hmm. is everything. If you can help people remember your brand, no matter how you do it, it works. And I love it. You guys say, Hey, we are 
can opener labs, right? One way to look at that is you you help people open the can and, and get their ideas out of their brains, which is wonderful. But you also say you have a can-do attitude, which is part of the whole, the geekdom thing was part of the yeah. can-do, the, yeah. the, the can-do exactly. just like it's all over the place. So tell us some success stories that you've had. Um, share with us. I, I know that RMS Innovations obviously is one of them, but do you have other fun stories of people who had an idea but had no way to open the can. <laughs> to, we do. We have, we've had several over the years. We have one that just became the largest, uh, the highest um, funded uh, Kickstarter in San Antonio history. Um, and so they do a wine bottle. And um, it's this really cool wine bottle the glasses pop out of. And so when I met them a couple of years ago, they had, uh, they were doing, uh, they were looking at outsourcing this idea. They were going to outsource it to some engineers, and it, they were going to get built. They were going to get built big time. So I'm like, look, uh, this is actually what got me putting the um, makerspace down and geek them. Mm-hmm. So like, look, guys, you need to learn a little bit. You're going to have to there, – there's things they cannot manufacture themselves. They can't They can't go set up on their own manufacturing stuff like that. But what they can do is they can uh, at least understand – the process enough to where when they go to go when they go to get these things done they're not going to get built, and so I get like here I brought one of my three D printers in I put it down there I said use it just for God's sake use it start designing playing so you understand that because if you pay somebody to go some cat you pay to get all these things done, and without understanding what they're doing you're gonna they're gonna take advantage of you mm-hmm. or even if they're not purposely taking advantage of you they're gonna not understand what you're explaining to them and they're gonna go get things wrong and end up going broke before you get a chance to do your product yeah. And so they, they they did a great job. They built it, and at one point they got oh, they were getting frustrated. And I literally I was like, "Look, move forward. This I'll uh, I'll back you." I was like, "If you, if I was like, uh, I forget the, what the exact situation was, but I was like, look, I'm willing to bet my boat on.' So I gave them the title for one of my boats. So I said, "If I said either take off with my damn boat, here's the title of the boat, <laughs> yeah. or come back, give me the title of my boat back, and move forward there." And they did. He brought me the title of the boat back and came back. So I was like, I believe you this much. I, I, if I believe you this much, you have an option. You can take off this and screw me and run and do that, or you can actually come back and keep moving forward. Wow. And so they did. And it, that was, it was, um, it was, it, I was 50 50 whether they're going to take off with the boat, which is fine. It, it was, but, um, it was, so it, it worked out. They did, they've done a great job. They moved forward. And, so for me, that that meant a lot. I mean, it's a lot to see them growing where they are now. Well, you know, you know, that tells me two stories. First of all, it tells me you're willing to put your money where your mouth is. Um, you you really also it tells me you really invest in your clients. Um, you you build a relationship um, that is big on trust. Um, you've been named a tech titan by the San Antonio Business Journal. Um, and, you know, obviously you've been doing a lot of relationship building, which brings me really to a, a second level of conversation I want to have with you. Most of our, our, most of the people who listen to this show are wanting to get into big ticket clients like you've done and that you continue to do. And, you know, it, it, you know, as they say, you can't teach people what you haven't done, right? So you've obviously been there. Um, what can you share with us about how you find, how you connect, and how you close deals with these kinds of big ticket clients that you've been working with? What exactly is there a formula for it that that we could learn? For me, it's always been gadgets and devices. So you need that icebreaker. You need the icebreaker, and you need to be able to create that brand for yourself. So uh, one thing I, I'm big on is that people see 
so I, have from, I come from both sides of the table. I come from the guy trying to close big ticket, uh, the big ticket clients, mm -hmm. which for in that tech world, usually if you're trying to close a big company, you've got to get the CTO's approval. Mm -hmm. And so, but I've also set uh, as a CTO and board member of those big companies. Mm -hmm. So I understand both sides. And for me, one thing you'll see with when big clients is they have, especially with the people making the, uh, the decision of those things, they need to make sure they want the company is reputable. So if something goes wrong, something happens, they're, they're like, they're, they don't have to explain why they picked this company. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, look, those are the biggest and best guys in the world. I don't know why they, they you know, the things screwed up. Or if they do right, it still makes you look good. Hey, we were able to close the biggest and best company to help us work with this. And so if you create that brand uh, for yourself that they're, you're the person that wants to be worked with. And San Antonio, that's critical. San Antonio is big on, uh, it's, uh, you know, the good old boy network here. Yeah, it's, and, small, it's basically a it, small city. Oh, San Antonio is the smallest big city there is. It's yeah. a small town. And so, um, and, and so it's interesting. So you, it's really important for me. And then also my brand. So uh, I, I very much try different things and do crazy things. You'll see me lighting a cigarette with a flamethrower, one of the Tesla flamethrowers. <laughs> and on my LinkedIn, I'm very personal. I keep everything extremely personal, even my business stuff. I'll keep it business, but at the same time personal. I don't like any marketing or sales things. Like you said, come in here talking, you know, like, oh, you don't want to start talking about funk features and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't want to talk about features. I don't give a crap about features. Stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You know what my clients want. And things. But I also, so I have like implants in my hands. So in my hands, I have five different chips. I have NFC. I, I lose key. I'm ADHD. I'm extremely ADHD. So wait, wait. Did you, did you say you have implants in your hands? Yeah. So I have, these are my HID cards. This is my, so this one right here um, is my uh, car key uh -huh. and my house key. Um, this one over here is my office key. And um, this one's my geekdom key fob. And my parking <laughs> pass downtown, and then and here I have, and this and my this hand here I have, and they're all in DangerousThings.com. They're kind of interesting, but um, and and, and here this hand they have, I have uh, NFC, so you can do, I can tap somebody's phone right now. It's programmed as a V card, so if it, you want to get give somebody my business card, if I'm out of business cards, I just tap their phone and it'll give them my V card, just like you can transfer V cards via phone. Okay, okay, wait a second. It's more of a conversation starter. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, wait. First of all, I got I have to unpack this because this is like exciting. Right, I I need to just slow this down. So first of all, you said a while earlier, and maybe in our conversation before we started, that reputation is everything. Okay, and your brand is 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 what is you is one of the the, the things you work very hard on to get that reputation, that brand, so that connecting with big ticket clients becomes a very natural human thing. Now. You're saying that one of the things you've used to build your reputation as a tech guy, as a geek, as a nerd, and as a CTO level guy is you've got implants in your hands that can open your car when you just touch it. Is that what you're saying? I love that. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Wow. Embedded in my hands. Oh my goodness. Uh, now, f first of all, is that something anyone can do or is that just something? I mean, how yeah, does that? myself i just it's like a big needle you can look at dangerous things.com and you just it's like a big needle pinch it's right under the skin so it's like it's like having a splinter under the skin you don't feel them you don't notice them it looks they look like pet chips kind of like the pet chips yeah so okay so first of all do you think i'm crazy for being impressed by this <laughs> <laughs> I, I did i did a post on linkedin about i had four hundred eighty-seven thousand views on my post on linkedin about wow it. It's like, oh my, on LinkedIn of all things, he's LinkedIn, that's great for certain things, but usually you don't get really viral things on LinkedIn. Yeah. And yeah. I, had, I had CPS Energy 
Um, the CEO of CPS Energy is a friend. This is where it goes into big ticket clients. So uh -huh. CPS, the CEO puts me, um, I was meeting with her. She took pictures of my hands and I had all kinds of people a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago, text me pictures saying, look, you were in the C the CEO's presentation when she was doing a, the um, yearly presentation to the company. Yeah. Uh, he was doing a talk about me in the presentation. <laughs> For the company to all like fifteen thousand employees or whatever, and then uh, and then the C um, Schlage called me. Schlage um, saw the post and they were excited, so they had me do their first fireside chat. They do fireside chats for the last couple of years with their employees to help drive innovation in the company. And this is a big, you know, company with hundreds, hundred thousand employees worldwide. They mm -hmm. they said they decided. Um, they, the CTO called me and said, "Hey, we want to. We've we do these fireside chats. We've never had somebody that's not inside the company." Do a fireside chat with us. We'd love you to do be a fireside chat with us. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. So some of the things that gets your brand. You want to get those big companies. You have to do things to stand out. That gets them intrigued and understand what's going on. So for me, I push to kind of see what's the latest and greatest. What can what can we do to help? What's going to be a, it's going to help drive the tension, help get them intrigued and engaged. And for me, it's engagement, not just attention. It's how do you get them truly engaged? And so interesting things that really make a point, like uh, everybody hates losing their car keys. Everybody hates losing their house keys. I don't have house keys or car keys. You got hands. Okay. So Drew, okay. I, I, I have to tell you, this is one of the most exciting conversations I've had. And, and I'm looking at my yeah. own hands thinking, am I going to go do what Drew did here? <laughs> but I love actually, that. Actually, dangerous things actually in Austin. I can actually send them up to you. It's, oh it's really cool. It's awesome. If you have key fobs, yeah. it's not bad. It's really not bad. Okay. If people think security and all that, they're like, oh, well, for security, they're going to, you know, what if the government reads, you have to read them for like two millimeters away and they have a tangent number. It's a key fob. Yeah. It's literally a key fob. There's no information on it. They steal my key, if they steal my key fob, Oh, well, I reprogram it to a different key fob. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, it's like with biometrics, you leave your fingerprint. Uh -huh. With other things, you leave your DNA. This, you don't have to really truly touch it. You swipe in front of it. So it's truly, honestly, more anonymous than actual any of the other things you do. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that, that is just so much fun. So, you know, it's funny how, like, time flies. We're almost, you know, running out of time. I'm having way too much fun here. But I, I want to see if you could give us some some nuggets of wisdom about um, – you know, big ticket clients, marketing, and so on. So, I, so let me just see what I understand so far. One thing I understand from you is reputation is everything. Build a brand. And and it sounds like you you want to build a brand that's actually fun and exciting because I can see how you light up when you talk about in innovations yeah. like this. So what, what other advice would you have for people regarding connecting with big ticket clients? Be honest and truly connect. There's so many salespeople that want... Um, what do you call it? Sorry, people. Are um, there's so many people, salespeople that want to just like try to sell people whatever, try to do things. And for me, it's be honest with them, really connect with them, really get to know them, and and understand them and what they need, and then find ways to engage them and honestly engage them, not BS them or do other things to engage them, but truly honestly engage with people. And I have big ticket clients, people uh, that we work with. That my partner's like, oh, you can't say that to him. You can't do that to him. Like. Sure, shit, I can. Excuse me, French. Or sure, heck, I can. <laughs> you have to bleep this. Yeah, there's one of my business partners in here. I'm like, I'll, I'm very blunt and to the point and honest with them. And, and so, and yeah, and realistically, we have clients that want, like, well, I want this. I'm like, okay, well, then good, go somewhere else. And when you get screwed, come back to us and I'm going to charge you twice as much. <laughs> it can happen. And it has to happen. So, uh, it, it's, you have to be really realistic with them. And that's, that's, that's for me, that's what it is. But you have to also find things to engage your market. For me, 
we want innovators. People want to do creative things. So like the implants in my hands, the other pieces, it's how do you engage and how do you get people excited and intrigued in what's going on in your, in your world? And mm-hmm. for me, that's, I constantly try to stay ahead of that. And plus I have two crazy co-founders that. Oh yeah. About. Actually, do, do you have your, do you have uh, do you have, I think I saw Was that Dale or was that David? Hey, no, Dave. Dale here. Artist hey, Dale, you weren't doing his hand though, he put it in his elbow. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry, I'm just losing it here, but th- this strategy beats anything I've ever heard of. I love it. So, 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 Dale, is this Dale or David? This is Dale, right? Dale, Dale, Dale. okay. Dale, first of all, I'm Dr. Pillay, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, uh, we're having a fun time here. So, in, in, in closing, um, you've given us two great nuggets. One was, um, Reputation is everything. Build your brand. Be excited about it. Another one is focus on engagement. I'm just trying to repeat so we can really be, be clear that people are learning something here. And would you say that you have an idea about getting ideas out of people's heads? I mean, that's kind of what your company is all about. Could you share maybe some tricks or tips about how people can bring those innovations to life? Yeah, they, and and I, Dale and Dale, feel free to jump in, Dale, if you want. Yeah, actually, this would be a good one for Dale jumping too, because Dale's an artist. He's a musician. Oh, so like, musician. He's the big musician. So, Dale, what do you play, man? Oh uh, man, it's been years since I really play anything, but I mostly just you know push button DJ, and I used to play uh, bass and piano. Well, hey, it, I'm all over that. So if you ever want to do a band thing, just just hit me up. I'm, I'm an hour away. <laughs> all right. Well, we had, uh, regular jam sessions over at Nelco Media. He just whips out his guitar and starts playing <laughs> Philip Nelson. So cool. Do that. Cool. So so uh, as far as getting ideas out of people's heads and onto a physical made product, do you have any advice or tips for how people can? you know, get up, get up off the dreams and, and make something happen. What's your strategy on that? So with me, yeah, with me, yeah, exactly. Talking to them, listening to them, getting them engaged and actually being truly excited about what they're doing and hearing them out. And so one thing for us is I, I don't care how crazy or, or not the ideas. People will say, Oh, that's a crazy idea. It's a horrible idea. Really the pet rocks a horrible idea with the right marketing and the right team. Mm. It's a brilliant idea. So it doesn't matter how crazy ideas it is. not seems understand them, see what it is, and figure out um, what the right market is, how you can steer them in the right direction with that. And so for me, it's really once we hear it, once we kind of get an understanding of it, where the fit, how, what's the best to do. I, I like that for a while. LinkedIn had me as the um, number one or the, ranked as the top startup strategist on LinkedIn, early stage mm-hmm. startup strategist. So for me, helping understand where that product fits and how it could fit, I can I can work with them on that. And that's I think it's. true. Really listening to them. It's like a marriage. Yeah, it is so, listening. It's you know, like a lot of times. Let's say if I'm just if I'm helping somebody draw something, you, you sit and you listen. And you have them tell the story about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just tell me what you want it to look like. Let's talk about what the item is, why you want to make it, where it came from, uh, what your passion and your story is behind it, mm. and immediately our brains just start swirling around about all the different things that they're doing. And half the time, more than half the time. By the time we're done the conversation, we've already iterated on and added stuff to the person's stuff that to the person's items they didn't even think of. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sitting there scribbling and scratching out a drawing of what I think they're saying while they're doing it, and I slide it over to them. Is this what you thought about? And then it, you know, it's usually yeah, that's it. And then we go from there. Yeah. But but like you said it, it's listening. You have to listen to people mm-hmm. to be able to really help 
them. You, you can't just make assumptions. Yeah, no, I have to be truly excited about, for, about their ideas. Yeah, no, I, I love the whole truly listen thing. A lot of people say they're listening, but they're kind of not. <laughs> so yeah, truly listen and, and help people sort of give birth to those ideas. You know, as you've, as we've been talking so far, I get the sense that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of part of this startup world, right? This community in San Antonio, are you part of, do you, do you host meetups or do you have a community that you're building and supporting so that you can sort of discover these new startups? How do you, how do you sort of get these startups um, excited about you? So that's the other thing is a founder, you have to have found our spouse because we both, our wives, <laughs> our wives, probably our wives are a lot alike too. Uh, they, they, uh, we we network heavily. We're hard. We go to a lot of events. We do. We push, and we're actually involved. We spend a lot. Dale has given so much to this community. One of the things I love about Dale, and the reason I love having his co-founder, he has spent years giving back and volunteering, and donating time and helping startups and helping companies and helping organize these events. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there's, I think that's important. You have to be involved, and not just involved. So many people go to networking events just to hand out business cards and network. Yeah. Yeah be involved and be connected with the community I, I i got geek of the year with geekdom because we spent a lot of time working and heavily involved my wife was two years before i was geek of the year she was geek of the year at geekdom because we volunteer a lot of time and it, it helps it will give you clients it will lead to clients yeah, well it's really so but uh, it's about relationships completely i, I agree with you yeah, yeah yeah a lot of times when we go to these events you know we're we're we you know, truthfully, I don't remember the last time we had business cards for things that we do, but we, we, yeah, sure. <laughs> you, got, you got your hand. <laughs> it doesn't work half the time, honestly. So it's just more of a gimmick than anything, but yeah. yeah. Crazy. Mess it up. But uh, what we spend most of the time doing is not passing out our information, but just talking to others. Right. Yeah. And sure. What we do comes up in conversation and sometimes we push it in there if, if, if we need to really think about what's going on, but really the, what ends up happening is we meet a lot of people yeah. and we hear their stories and we, and we understand, learn what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And in doing that, it kind of just, I don't know if it's naturally or if I do it on purpose or what, but it just sticks in our head. And then, you know, you forget about it for a while and you forget you had that conversation. You go to another mixer, another event, and you start talking to someone else. And then they start telling you their story yeah. and the things that they're working on and they're passionate about. And next thing you know, this idea comes back up in your head. Hey, I talked to three different people at this other event that do X, Y, and Z. And it sounds really close to what you're doing. You all should hook up and figure out what's going on. Yeah. You all should work together. Here, let me get you their contact information. Oh, by the way, I happen to have their card in my back pocket. Here you go. Like, those are the kind of uh, interactions and kind of uh, collaborative stories that we like to that we like to build on, and it just kind of happens. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of people, when listening to you right now, or both of you, a lot of people <clears throat> may actually not realize just how powerful this stuff you're talking about really is when it comes to closing multi-million dollar deals. You know, it sounds like you're just saying, hey, have fun, network, meet people. Uh, it's a lot more than that. You're actually it's creating, that's yeah, fine. that's hard work. You're creating the the basis of possible multi-million dollar uh, relationships. I, I know that because the power of events, networking, even podcasting as a networking tool, you can't measure it. Okay, but before you know it, you know this person who knows that person, and then things begin to connect, and you're like, "Wow, I, I can call someone and make a, a sales call here." Yeah. So um, that's really. And it's not a, it's not a, 
Yeah, for sure. It's not, and it's not like, I, I guess it's not a direct, uh, there's no direct fiscal benefit from it. Right. But eventually someday it trickles around or you made the right contact play. or you, yeah. yeah, it's a long, yeah. You need both the short out. play and the long play, right? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. I guess you could say that's a short play as well. A little bit. Yeah, like, one of the things we've done too is we've set we have in back we have a big like a one acre yard so we've set up an event space like a, we've set up like a full ice house with games and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff out there too so we're starting to um, we're we're have events. stuff here yeah we had a party here Saturday we had over two hundred people here wow so, well, uh, you'll yeah. have to send me an invitation do you guys uh, enjoy your party like do you have drinks and you know good stuff there that- oh yeah yeah <laughs> we have all, we have I set that up back. <laughs> It's just so. Texas. Every party has drinks. Every, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just checking. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, you know, it's so much fun talking to you, and I can see you guys really understand the value of having fun while you do your jobs because you guys are doing having a lot of fun in your in your work. Um, how can people reach you if people want to learn how to, you know? turn their ideas uh, into into real physical, tangible products, or they just want to learn more about you guys, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. They can uh, do canopinerlabs.com. Okay. Uh, they can reach us at hi, hello, or hola at canopinerlabs.com. Okay. Best one's easy email. one. Hi, H-I at canopinerlabs. Just say hi at canopinerlabs, and we'll, it goes to all of us, and yeah. we'll sort it out. Uh, and I'll, I'll have to make Facebook. I have to make sure we spell that, um, and we'll have it in the in the notes. But it, it, that's Can Opener Labs, C A N O P E N E R L A B S dot com. So Can Opener Labs, all right. And then on LinkedIn, you said LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Got it. Um, the best one is fa- fa- um, send me a LinkedIn message or a Facebook message if you if you want to reach out to me too. It's that's that's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. Yeah. I'm, well, bad about, I'm bad about email. So these guys are really good at email. If you email hi at Camper Labs, they will get it and get back to you quickly. All right. Perfect. Well, it has been a pleasure, Drew and Dale, to uh, yeah. to, meet, to meet you guys. And say hi to David for me because I first I thought you were David. <laughs> David is your third co-founder. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's an applied physicist. He's the he's the other he's the other doctor. <laughs> oh my oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, you guys have way too much fun there. It's a, it's amazing. Uh-huh. I, I love that. So thank you so much for being on our show and um looking forward to uh networking with you further. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the big ticket clients podcast. For more episodes and strategies, visit BigTicketClients.com. That's www.BigTicketClients.com. And remember, you can't catch a whale with a worm.